The Coaching You Podcast is presented by Huddle Basketball and Huddle Assist, your best solution to capture and analyze every aspect of the game from the first tip to the final buzzer. Hey, welcome to another Coaching You Podcast presented by our great friends at Huddle and Huddle Assist. Our guest today, we're going to beautiful Pullman, Washington, Kyle Smith, the head coach there. What a star he has become. I think you're really going to enjoy this unbelievably personable guy talking about basketball today. After this quick timeout, we'll be back with Kyle. Hi, this is Brendan Sir. I'm talking to coaches, PE teachers, ADs, and camp directors because I'm so excited to announce our newest Coaching You podcast partnership with my friends from 360 Hoops. What if I told you that I've witnessed the most innovative game, training, and exercise for kids that I've seen in decades? 360 Hoops takes up less space than traditional basketball and allows for more players to get involved in developing their basketball fundamentals. The three-sided basket is attached to wheels for easy transportation and can adjust from 7 to 10 feet. The uses are endless, from elementary and middle school recess to physical education class. It can also be used for team practice and skill development training for teams with players of all ages. For more information, visit www.play360hoops.com. To learn more about this new innovative product, make sure you mention Coaching You for a 10% discount. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just a box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats like the li- like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's H-U-D-L dot com slash assist to learn more. Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach Brendan Sir. And I'm so excited today, Kyle Smith. We are going out to the West Coast. We don't get out here enough, Kyle. And how are things at Washington State in beautiful January? <laughs> As you might imagine, it's gray. It's gray. gray and cool, the way we like it. Winter's coming. Tough, tough place to play. That's Good how pl- we look at it. You know, it's a great place for a home game during the winter, right? Amen. You know, no one likes to come to Pullman. You know, and uh, you know, tell me about you've, you know, your destiny and your path to get there. I think was so, so amazing. But if you could share with our listeners, you know. <laughs> First of all, like you and I have talked about, you know, uh, an English lit major from a phenomenal academic school like Hamilton. Uh, but you tell me you, you wanted to be a coach your whole life. Why did you want to be a coach, number one? Oh, geez. I'll, I'll ramble here, so cut me when I get going too long. But uh <laughs> played for an incredible high school coach, Rick Shirley, um, who's 
currently the president of the Texas Association of Basketball Coaches, has over 800 wins, played for him at Ailey Facings High School in Houston, Texas in ninth grade. Somehow I just kind of seen his shadow watch that's one play, obviously, you know, but I just kind of fell in love with the, the whole program and everything we're about. And just kind of that was one of the paths I wanted to go on. And and I, I just kept playing as long as I could. And I found myself at a, you know, I was a good student. There's not a lot of great opportunities in Texas for really high academic uh, situation where you could play. Um, you know, you remember the Rice or SMU, those were, those were Southwest Conference at the time, really good programs. So right. long, way, long way there, I ended up at Hamilton College, a good school academically, and uh, right level for me basketball. I was had a great experience, and I always encourage guys that are – Look at a walk on at places or so, whatever. I said, Well, I, I looked at that, but I, you know, I said, Get in where you fit in. And they, they recruited me. We had a great time. And those are some of the best friends of my life. And, um, but central New York's a long way from where I grew up in Houston, but my dad lived on the West Coast. And I, and I just kind of was, um, on the quest to become a coach. And I was willing to work, do whatever, you know, work camps. That's kind of how we did it back then. Yep. Um, and uh, and and, it's, and I tell our guys, guys who want to get the business too uh, now, even though it's not quite the same with the camps, but those are going to you're going to build some relationships there that are going to extend through your professional career. Um, doing one, and I would work Cal Camp, SMU Camp, uh, what was the one one in Maine, uh, Pine Tree Camp. I worked Morgan Wooten's camp, you wow. know. So did all these things. So you end up, you know, Buzz Williams was working SMU camp with me when he was like 19 and, and, uh, whatever, just some people along the way, they just got in the business. And, um, and like to this day, day, if I reach out to buzz, I don't reach out to him very often. He'll get back to me that day. That's what makes him kind of special. But, and I think it goes back to when we worked together and just wanted to get in the business. So, um, long story short, I ended up, uh, I think I told you that after I, <laughs> my parents invest a lot of money in my education, I ended up, uh, wanting to get to coaching and, and, and and uh, almost had a job at RPI, the guy we shook on it, which is Rensselaer Polytech Institute in Troy, New York. Yep. I still remember it. I was so excited. I was going to get $5,000 stipend, a dorm room, and split the car with the women's coach. And that was a deal. And somehow it fell through. And then I was, had, I was so just depressed. I had to go on the circuit after my senior year and work all the camps again. And, and at the end of the summer, I basically had an opportunity to volunteer at Southern Vermont College uh, for like for rent or or uh, become a graduate manager at University of San Diego. And Randy Bennett talked me into it. And I waited out and I had four years of <laughs> Central New York weather. I tried the San Diego thing and uh, and I was lucky enough Hank Egan was able to, to take me on and and uh, I, I got a lot of responsibility. Then we're under resourced. Um, didn't have as many coaches as everyone else. It's just a different time. And so I was able to do I tell young coaches, say, get in where you can do as much as you possibly can. You know, I don't think you're going to learn much about the, uh, you know, art of coaching, if you want to call it that, by, you know, just shuffling papers and being an administrative guy and watching. I think you got to get in. You can get on the floor and do things, coach and recruit and be involved and help out. And I was able to do everything um, imaginable. And, you know, I thought they would, I was hoping they'd just bury me in San Diego one day. I was there for my first eight years. And, um, Finally, and I worked my way up to be an associate coach and then just got off job at Air Force, which is like twice the money. And I thought it'd give me back on the academic track. And the next thing, then Randy Bennett got a job in St. Mary's. I did that for nine years and was lucky enough to get my first 
head coaching job at Columbia. So I'm back on the East Coast and then San Francisco. And then my wife's from the state of Washington. And we met when at St. Mary's. And I think it helped me get the Washington State job. So it's just been a it's been a wild path, but a, a fun one. And uh, the relationships I built along the way have um, really uh, added to my life and my, my coaching experience. Talk about Randy Bennett. I think for those in the business – um, you know, that, that I think the biggest thing about Randy Bennett, like he's a guy that I've never, and I I know a lot of people in coaching have been doing it a long, long time, and I've never met Randy Bennett. But <laughs> everyone that I know that has worked for him or knows him, all the, everyone that's unanimous, they rave about him as a coach. What What makes him special? Well, first of all, it's a person. And I was when we were younger, and he's obviously one of my uh, <laughs> probably my biggest mentor as far as just the time we worked together or spent. I used to call him the human magnet, and he just has a way of uh, people gravitate to him, and he's good with people. He's and he's a relationship-driven guy. So I think, and that's the most important thing. I think in coaching, I think people get confused with X and O's, and that's that's part of it. Be you know understanding your profession, knowing that stuff, but it really gets down to especially at this level when you're dealing with 18 to 22 year olds and, and, uh, coaching and, um, you've got to have that relationship. And Randy comes from his dad was a really good high school and junior college coach. Um, and that's kind of how Randy and I kind of, we, you know, we got along so well, cause I said like my mentors, Rick Shirley and, and his dad and Rick, and Rick Shirley were very similar in philosophy. And that's kind of what that would, that's probably his home base. That was my home base. So we, we got along that way. Um, and we always said like, the longer we stay at this, the simpler we need to make this thing. And we always say, anything I need to know, I learned in high school. That was kind of the philosophy. It's like whenever we got in trouble, wait a second, we need to dial this back. And it gets down to fundamentals and doing things right and having integrity of it. So I think that's why people who work with Randy understand that. And that's what makes him a good coach. And then he's just a very, um, he's a ridiculous worker. Um, on just his effort and attention, he puts a detail and on coaching. Um, I don't think anyone will ever outwork him. I'm pretty certain <laughs> of that. And it, it's a big part. But, you know, it's his family, and then it's his team, and that's where he he really spends his time. He doesn't have a ton of interest outside of those things. I mean, he'll get away and fish in the summer for a week, maybe um, get down the beach a little bit. But he's still when he's at the beach, he's still on the phone talking, recruiting, or <laughs> coaching, <laughs> doing his thing. So. He's just a, he's an old school guy. He's a, he's a coach's coach, and he's taken you know he's got a lot of guys now out there. They're Division one head coaches, not head coaches, and he's been a great mentor. And um, I think that's what our business needs too is more 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 guys that are on investing in the coaching aspect and developing character and um, developing people um, as opposed to the salesman part. Now, obviously, you got to sell and be be able to recruit and sell your product, but. Uh, he, that's what makes him kind of special, in you my know, opinion. You know, and getting to work with a friend of yours, uh, David Patrick, you know, it would be like at least once a day he would quote from Randy Bennett about something, you know, and and that makes such an impression upon me because that's that's what this is, business is about, influence. And he's obviously had an incredible influence over you and DP and so many others. And I think that is, that's a wonderful thing. That's the reason we usually get into coaching is because someone that had such a strong influence as your high school coach did, but then others along the way just, you know, really 
propelled you, you know, the way they thought. You know, I'm, I'm sure my assistants are tired of hearing about Randy Bennett. <laughs> I'm certain of it in St. Mary's because uh, it just it did influence us a lot. And he, it goes further back with me, me and Randy. It's like I was a very you – know, I really was hungry to get in the business, and I was willing to – telling people I'm willing to volunteer. I'll do whatever I can. And so many people looked at me like I was crazy. Uh-huh. And maybe rightfully so. <laughs> it just sounds like I was like, I just want to get in at any capacity. And he was actually one that took the time to listen and and uh, made some time for me to, to introduce and create a position really um, to where I could work with the, with Hank Egan and him at, at University of San Diego. And I'm forever grateful for that. I'm a pretty loyal person. And that's probably one of Randy's great strengths too. He's incredibly loyal to people who work for him and, and friends, family. He, he, he's got, he'll always be there for you. I know that's one guy you can pick up the phone regardless. And we're competing against each other, but if it, uh, and you know what, I've had some family stuff going on. He'll always reach out and do that. He cares about the right stuff. So that is, um, yeah, yeah, he's a huge influence on me. And, and, uh, he's like, He's he kind of like we used to call him Father Flanagan because he kind of he picked up he picked up David Patrick kind of as an orphan. It was a nickel float, right? Who has a similar? I'm I'm more just a U.S. like we call we call DP worldwide DP because he's you know I think mom mom Sri Lankan dad Bermudan grew up in Australia moved to Louisiana Syracuse nickel he's all over the place Europe yeah. so. That's we that, all that's pretty accurate for him. Yeah. What about uh? What makes Randy like? I'm watching him the other night against Gonzaga, and the, the difference in talent. And no, 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 not knocking St. Mary's, but yeah, Gonzaga is like so special this year. Uh, yeah. But they're fighting him; they're really fighting him, and they got him wow. in the beginning, you know. And I'm like, and you're probably. And I remember DP says to me, "Hey, listen, I'll call you on Sunday. He said, I got to watch St. Mary's play. It's like a, it's, yeah, like a yeah. it's like a viewing party, you know, a Super Bowl party. Oh yeah, uh, right, you guys." Well, no, no, Randy's, he's created what's really unique in college basketball, as has Mark Few, is that those guys have been coaching the same place for 20 years. And I wow. think both of them can coach there as long as they want. And that's so, so precious. Not everyone can do it. And there's a pride in the program. There's, you know, the, he's done a great job. You know, the facilities are are more than adequate. St. Mary's are nice, but they've done a great job of just – um, honoring the history and the legacy of each guy. And so when they when they put that uniform on, it means something. And there's been some great battles with Gonzaga. And obviously Gonzaga's had the upper hand, but but uh, been plenty of teams that Gonzaga, I mean, that St. Mary's had, they've been better. And then it's always, they know it's, and I love that league because there are, those coaches have been there for so long. There are some rivalries and some things that go into that. And, and uh, you know, Randy, so you just forget they're so overwhelming in their, their attention they get Gonzaga, but it was just two years ago that, um, you know, St. Mary's upset them in the conference final and they were number one in the country and went to NCAA tournament. And, you know, their story like their point guard, Craig Cousy, it's a great story. Just prove how loyal Randy is. I, he was a walk on, it's his best friend's son, and really? he's good enough to <laughs> beat the number one team in the country. It's unbelievable. That um, is amazing. That's just kind of what, yeah, and that's kind of what St. Mary's is. It's, 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 pretty special place just how it even how it's nestled in the hills there and in the east bay and and you it's a place where you can have really close relationships with your players and the community it's neat so when when you were there with randy that is kind of 
around the time when they started that whole Australian recruiting thing? Indeed. We yeah. started out first. We, we brought some French guys in. Uh, I actually brought Australian and French in the first year and, um, and just kind of snowballed from there in a good way. It just uh, Adam Capeborn was in our, on our first team, and he happened to be best friends. He played in the what was then the Australian Institute of Sport, and he played, his best friend was Daniel Kicker, who was a year younger and in the Institute and was getting recruitment from Oregon, Oregon State, and St. Mary's, really. And that relationship was strong enough that Daniel wanted to play with Adam, you know, coming from a different country. Wow. And Daniel went on to be all-time leading scorer <laughs> in St. Mary's history. And it just kind of, we kept that relationship. And, you know, we're always involved there. And Marty Clark was the guy that's coaching down there. He was a coach with Randy. And, and then David Patrick had, you know, being over, that's kind of, he, we started recruiting Patty Mills. And David had, as you know, somehow, you met, somehow David is able to be, Ben Simmons got, godfather somehow he knew patty mills when he was 10 years old or something when he was uh, like a ball boy or something it's like somehow david has really close relations with the guys who got on to be really good players so um and you meet david and randy and i did and, and actually dan shill introduced us to was on our staff at the time and and david's just a, immediately very impressive and as you know you're close with him so um and that's just kind of that whole, once you got David on board, now it's even more like we just, we're pretty much had a lot of things covered and, and, uh, we just, the rule was never to have more than five Australians. But I think <laughs> once they left, Randy got to six or seven. And I'm like, one of them, one or they know one or two of them is not going to be able to start. So, um, and it's been a good relationship and Randy's really nurtured it and, and, uh, created a, a really a cool, cool thing for the guys like Delavadova, Mills, there's several there now. It's been great. When you left, uh, you know, when you left St. Mary's, is that when you went to Columbia? Yes. Okay. Now I grew yeah, up in New Jersey. I grew up in New Jersey, ten miles yep. from Columbia. Okay, right in Bergen yep. County there, so I know it r super well. Know it all the way back to Jack Rowan's days, the great Jack yeah. Rowan, wonderful man, great coach, and so that place in that league, that is a. It's one of my favorite leagues, you know. You know, similar to the West Coast Conference. I love it, and you know the coaches are fabulous. You know, they're great people, they're great personalities, and the players are really damn good. I mean, really good. I, I agree. It's it's very poorly marketed, or the marketing is that they're all really smart guys, which they are. But I was always pulling my hair. I'm like, look, they're good players too. Like you can mm -hmm. be both. There's some really talented. Uh, basketball players that happen to be really bright guys. So when you went there, going against Harvard, Yale, Penn, Princeton, I mean, forgetting the Dartmouth and the Browns and the Cornells, I mean, forget those guys. You got four super powers, I think, potential basketball powers. How do you even get the niche going at Columbia? I was lucky enough to be a little naive about the Ivy League in the sense I knew Penn and Princeton deal, you know, to a degree, but also to me, I was a middle class, whatever you want to call it, public school guys. I feel like all eight of them are the best eight other you know, elite right. institutions and, and not knowing. And I knew the Penn Princeton thing for 40 years, but Cornell had won the league sure, uh, Steve, yeah. right before I got there. So there was a little, and then Harvard was starting to get it going. So there, and Harvard had been bad forever, but you knew, 
they have an unbelievable brand. So if anyone could ever sell that brand, you know, it'd be Tommy Amaker who recruited high major in Michigan, dude, like he obviously is getting that thing going. Um, and then when you get in the league and it's just, there's the schools are 300 years old and there's an obvious pecking order in where people want to go to school. And if you're from that ilk, now I wasn't raised that way. I didn't know. And you're from Jersey. So you know that mm-hmm. obviously you knew the Penn Princeton thing. Sure. <laughs> It's a big deal, and that was 40 years of two programs going back and forth, and Penn is invested in basketball, as is Princeton, but I thought Princeton was a still still out there. They still fancy themselves as a little higher rung academically, which to me are splitting hairs. Right. And then Joe Jones, or James Jones, I get confused. I get I replaced confused Jones. too. <laughs> James, James was at Yale for a long time, and he figured out, like, well, you know what? You can attract, and I, I know someone's on the West Coast who's able to attract really good talent and Harvard the same thing and the way we the niche we went with and it's and I'm, I'm used to I call sometimes I call myself the salmon swimming upstream I was like if we try to recruit against these guys that are established and I think they already have a legacy advantage on us what Penn is and what Princeton is and what Harvard can be and what it was becoming and what Yale I was like I think we finished fifth at best <laughs> whatever that would be like i just don't think we're gonna lose you know head up battle with harvard we're gonna win 10 percent of the time I and mean, they can sell we can sell it just it really with the gap doesn't seem like the gap would be that be that big but uh that's what it that's what it was um and so we started to look in different avenues internationally where there weren't other ivy leagues recruiting i thought down south where there's florida georgia um, like Houston, outside the Houston area, outside Atlanta, these sprawling suburbs where there was this, they have athletic support and good schools and good students and where people uh, weren't necessarily thinking about Ivy League. And you just had to introduce them like what the advantages were and, you know, not from the necessarily the prep schools or going Ivy League. So that was going to be the path is like international and that. And, and, and Columbia is very, even more reputable maybe than some of their institutions because of New York and the international piece. So that was kind of our model and we kind of worked it and we just didn't want to be the globe's a big place. So we just spread our nets pretty wide and said, we're going to recruit the world and let's, let's hit them where they ain't. Let's, let's not go head up with all those Ivy league schools and spend all your time competing and that let's find, good players that are interested in this and let's, let's sell them and get them in here and work with them. What a, what a hard thing to do in, in a conference like that. I mean, oh. and tell, tell people, I mean, we have listeners in over a hundred countries around the world, basketball coaches that are listening, but tell them about, you know, you're at a power five now where you have all the staffing, but tell them about the staffing you have in the Ivy league. Oh. It's 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 crazy because uh, first of all you're in one of the cost of living as you know in New York City about most expensive in the world right up there, <laughs> and uh, these schools have a ton of money which is frustrating because they don't but we get two full time assistants and a volunteer, uh, and you do four times as much recruiting than any other Division One school because there's no scholarships um and you have to do so much work on obtaining academic records transcripts there's just a lot of legwork financial then it gets down to financial aid then you got to get them interested then you got to tell them it's not a scholar there's just so much and i've always um 
you know, I don't know enough athletic directors, but I was saying, why aren't you guys trying to pull some of these coaches out of here? Um, cause I knew, cause I came from the West coast conference. And I go, wait, there's good coaches. I might probably learn more, more coaching there. And I'm like, how come none of these, and I don't know. Some of it's like, some of the guys like, like uh, Mitch Henderson, he coached at Northwestern, but he's, he's a Princeton alum. So he, he probably not going anywhere, but, but some of these guys, I'm like, I just know that we're getting so many more reps of coach recruiting, coaching, got to coach back to back nights. So you have to be really prepared, really organized. All that stuff goes in there. Um, so it's in in there. And Columbia didn't have a huge tradition. It had a great tradition. You you commented on it, but it's been forty years. So yeah, Jimmy McMillan back in the day. <laughs> I mean, that's how. I mean, when I'm a kid, I'm watching him. I mean, you know, no, I know. great like, player. I, you know, and it, their and their success was just right before I was born and right after. And I'm like, <laughs> and I, you probably know Gene Schatz. And I was like, Gene's grilling me on the history. I'm like, honestly, I was like, I just had to come play. I said. I wasn't aware that Columbia was top 10 in the country. <laughs> he had to be like, what, we're going to hire this guy. Did I said, honestly, I didn't know. I said, I, I just knew it was good academically and I'm ready to roll. And, and no one, and happen. no one alive that they were interviewing knew either. <laughs> no, no, exactly. Exactly. So, and you know what, it's just a, just how life is. You get, I got a crack and, and it was really whew, made me good, but it was really uh, daunting, you know, being, and, Hadn't lived in New York City before. Moving my family there at age forty. Uh, age twenty seems like the place, but living in Manhattan and then having to hire a staff, that I couldn't get anyone that I worked with before played for. So, just built it from scratch, and and uh, couldn't be more indebted to those guys that uh, uh, started with me, and uh, they've gone on to do some really good things. Um, Kobe Altman, who's GM of the Cleveland Cavaliers, he was with me. Mike McPyle is head coach at UC Riverside. Carlin Hartman's a top assistant in Oklahoma. So we. We're lucky. We're just, it's just weird how it worked out and really, really happy to have those guys. Those are some stars. We're going to take a quick time out and we'll be right back with Kyle Smith. MindView is an amazing, amazing company that literally is just releasing a platform. They have developed an incredible assessment that we have just totally, totally been blown away with. Because on this assessment that you can take in a matter of 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes on your phone, the things that you've never been able to measure before, like resilience, grit, hope, adaptability, all these things, they are able to measure them as to how you're thinking and feeling right now. This is a game changer as far as I'm concerned. I'm a strength finder guy. I love all that. But MindView is the latest technology. It is just literally coming on the market right now. The platform that they've created is second to none. The emphasis right now on your players, mental wellness is unprecedented. I'm sold on MindView. Now it's your turn. For more information about MindView, M-I-N-D-V-U-E, please contact the COO, Cleet McQuinn. His email is cmcquinn at mindview.com or visit their website at mindview.com. Prepare like the pros with the new FastDraw. FastDraw is the number one affordable coaching tool used by pro and high school level teams worldwide. With FastDraw, you can save your plays and playbooks digitally, attach video and share with other coaches and your players in seconds, 
In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching content resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 8,000 free plays and drills from their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Don't forget to use promo code CU10, that is CU10, to receive 10% off your next Fast Model purchase. We're thrilled to have our longtime partners and friends at Dr. Dish Basketball on board as sponsors of the Coaching You podcast. Dr. Dish machines are undoubtedly the most user-friendly and advanced machines in the world of basketball today. Dr. Dish has completely revolutionized and reimagined the shooting machine to provide the best solution on the market. Join top programs around the world like Duke, North Carolina, Florida, and countless others and upgrade your shooting machine to Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish machines are the best way to increase purposeful reps in your program to get players better, faster, while tracking progress along the way. Dr. Dish provides so much more than just your standard shooting machines with custom training, pro trainers, and coaches on demand, real-time and detailed analytics, and top-of-the-line drills and workouts. If you're looking to take your program to the next level, look no further than Dr. Dish for the best basketball training machine in the world. If you have an old machine that's just collecting dust in your gym, did you know that you can trade that in to Dr. Dish for up to $1,500 off and get a new dish? Make sure to give our friends at Dr. Dish a follow at Dr. Dish B-Ball on Twitter and Instagram for great daily drills, workouts, tips, and inspiration. Or contact us at drdishbasketball.com. Don't forget to mention Coaching You or our podcast for $300 off your purchase. So you're at Columbia for five years. Talk about, from a basketball standpoint, what are you going to try to bring into this league to give you identity and to separate yourselves and to develop a winning culture? Oh, shoot. For, uh, I thought coming into the Washington State situation that it would be um, – I wasn't certain, to be honest, what we, who we could recruit. Well, I thought it'd be a little limited as far as you don't have a natural home base to talent. Just not many people live around here, not enough to supply it. So looked at the same approach that we did at the ones at San Francisco and Columbia. It's like, okay, we, we got to open this thing up to the globe and, and see if we can attract international guys. Cause they just, they want to crack at the highest level uh, or they want to be, um, professional basketball players and get an education and it's a good thing. So that we thought that was really important. And then in the history where good players of other Americans that come from, usually the Northwest has good basketball. So that was kind of our ideas. Like uh, we've got to get a talent. we got to get the talent to where we can be at this level and get the right size guys. And, and uh, for so long I hadn't recruited this level. So I didn't know what would be able to attract, um, but I knew what it you're probably going to have to be the right size and length. And I thought we would be more of the half court, uh, grinded out kind of what, um, the Bennett's did. That was kind of the model. I know they had great success. Right. Um, and, uh, kind of just rugged, tough, uh, gritty guys. And it's turning my philosophy on the talent was like, let's get as almost like an NBA GM, like take the best player you can, and then we'll sort it out and see what style of play we should, you know, what, how, how we should, did play and uh 
remarkably, it's not really the path I want to go. I thought we'd probably have to be more skillful, but we've been, we've had some good or athletically. We have some guys that are uh, pretty elite um, and made us good defensively. And we have a freshman from Nigeria that's, that's, you know, that's um, can shoot and rebound. And then he's still underdeveloped, missed a couple of years. So offensively, we got to kind of curtail what we do around him. He's that good. So that's kind of in our, and with him and some others, we have good size. Is it we'll, we'll have to play that way? That'll be our style for and hopefully grow with these. And I thought for sure, place of Washington State, same thing we did at Columbia, same thing. Was, we got to grow with our guys. We got to get guys that retain them because uh, I just don't think we're in a position where we'll be able to replace them year in, year out. You can't just fire guys, bring them next free agent group. This this yeah. isn't exactly a, <laughs> a locale that's going to attract them. You know, usually transfers come back where they're from, and well, there's not many there leaving there from here so we gotta we gotta have those relationships like i said I'll learn from randy bennett and others that uh to make this place great and guys are invested in that and i, I think we're we're going the right direction it, it'll be challenging but we're, we're moving the right way kyle i want to uh, skip back in um at, at, in a moment just to uh so when you you make the postseason tournaments at columbia and everything and you get and you get things like like as a northeast guy i said wow this guy, I mean, what what you did to that program certainly caught my attention in a big, big, big way. So when you decide now to make a coaching move, will you just help uh, our young coaches that are on there and our veteran coaches that are going through this? What goes through your mindset when you get opportunities for a new job? After you've worked well, your ass off for five years to build up a place, you know. It was six. It was six. It was a full six. Full six. six wow. Years, but, okay. But uh, you know what? It was it was a tough transition from because I've been assistant for so long, and I you know like been eighteen years. I was an assistant and got my head job, and definitely had ideas of what I want to do, and and it was a daunting task. Like I said moving your family, all those things are going on for six months, and then eventually I had to kick myself in the butt, and I said. Hey, I got to make the big time where I'm at. I got to do, I got to grow where I'm planted. And I just said, mm-hmm. yep, Manhattan's different. I love, I love New York City, by the way, but I got family. My wife's small town country girl from Eastern Washington um, and make sure they're settled in there. But it was all about making sure, enjoy where you're at. I never, and it'd be, I'd be lying to say I never looked ahead, but it came to a point where we we're doing really well and it was going to be, I was going to have, the move our family's getting bigger with three boys and we're gonna have to move the suburbs it might have been bergen county so then you know <laughs> we're talking an hour in hour out and i was like this could be tough but whatever we're gonna have to do and then was just fortunate enough we won 25 games we're good and uh to be honest and some i think people know this may or may not but uh, my middle son was diagnosed as being autistic so being close the family for me was actually was a big impetus and uh, my wife's family in the Bay Area were able to help on that that transition so um, I just think just make every it's it's hard thing we talk about all the time being staying present doing the best job you can and, and you can't and things will work out when you try to force it in life either you want something really bad whether it's a, a wife or you know something like that and you try it's like you kind of have to stay in the moment and be patient and not, not get team up with anxiety and worry about it. And, and it's lucky to be honest, you just gotta be, you gotta be fortunate. And, uh, you know, uh, it worked out and 
Scott said, well, was, uh, the San Francisco thing worked out. It was the right time for me and my family. And, and I felt like we left uh, Columbia in good shape with the, you know, like <laughs> we, we left Mike Smith's starting point guard of Michigan. He was coming into Columbia. I was, I was, I at least left that for me and I couldn't <laughs> talk him into coming to Washington state. So I was like, I've got it. But, but uh, you know, I felt like honored that job. I felt like, Hey, you know, this it's for six years. We, we took this thing where, the program that had maybe one winning season last 40 years, three winning seasons with 125 most games in school history. And, and, uh, you know, but I would have, I would look forward to taking that group. Um, like I said, the taking that, it would bring another run of playing with younger guys and hopefully seeing that challenge of getting it put together. Um, and, uh, and San Francisco didn't, didn't know what to expect. And I just always told myself, it's tough. It's not one of those things like if, it, again, <laughs> where I was at in my life, I was lucky enough to be in a place like Washington State. I never lived in a college town. And having young kids, what a great place and situation for them versus, you know, we did New York and San Francisco, two most densely populated. The most expensive <laughs> cities in, in the, the country, country to live in just about, right? Yeah. What's that? Most expensive cities in the country oh, to live yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. So, so it was like uh, – Got up and it was just this has been awesome for my wife, my family, and my in-laws and everyone, and just being able to we're really embracing. And that makes that's to say for wherever you're a coach, like yep. I've lived all over the place and and uh, been very fortunate, and I've I've tried to make the most of uh, every situation. And um, the one the one place and no knock is when I went to Colorado Springs at Air Force. I was I kind of went for the wrong reasons. I really loved where I was in San Diego, but I thought it was you know professionally and money wise, I thought it put me in a better position, but, um, that was it. I didn't go for the right reasons. It wasn't, I didn't get as invested. And I feel bad. I learned a lot from Joe too. And he's maybe the best coach I work for as far as X and O's. That guy's amazing. Um, but, uh, I learned more about myself on that stuff. And, and, and I, I have to, everything kind of has to fit for me and, and I got to make it fit, you know, as far as your, your, your faith, your family, if those things are in tune, you'll, you'll be okay. And that's a hard thing when you're, type a personality or a high achiever you got to keep those things in perspective you know how competitive the business is oh it's insane and and more yeah. so this year I, I i've been coaching nearly 50 years um and i i don't know this is i've never seen a year like this year uh what yeah. has it been like for you on the west coast where in different parts of the country uh, but the West Coast has really, I mean, everywhere's gotten it bad. But, you know, it seems California has really been, and the state of Washington, Seattle area especially, I don't know about your area, has really been hit rough. Uh, how has it been to coach kids this year? You know what? I've tried. They've been, been pretty darn good. I mean, um, exactly. No one knew what the formula is or how you're supposed to do it, and you got to be aware of talk to them about mental health stuff because you just don't know how anything's going to affect you know their families um and we've just been very aggressive about saying like if you need to opt out opt out it's okay Whatever. i think it took the pressure i don't want anyone feel like they have to play but i just think competing and coming to practice and working hard beats the alternative but i'd understand if someone was like I'm everyone has just reacted differently to this, but I'm a very social person. I need human contact. Um, it's hard on me. So even 
was really hard for us as a team. We're doing Zooms during the summer and not yeah. being able to get together. Um, and that's kind of, it kind of lowered the bar too, as far as like, what's this about? I think obviously for me, I got to reconnect with my family more <laughs> as a coach. Yeah. It was great in that sense. You got to make the most of it. Like having this time in the summer to spend with my family and, uh, and it was great in the summer because you could go outside and winter's been harder, but, um, you know, taking advantage of that, same with our basketball team. Like, Hey, look, winning's really important. That's why we compete. We'll do that. But with this year, it's about the value in the process, valuing the work, doing what you can. Um, and, and hopefully we'll get on the backside of this thing. We've got the vaccine coming. We'll be able to see it and, and appreciate it and, and keep growing. Um, so it's been hard and we've been, we've had a few, uh, many pauses. Our, 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 our people have done a great job. Our medical people have worked with us and our guys have done a good job for the most part and, and trying to, because of my things like, let's, let's just try to do the best we can. And there'll be challenges along the way. We've had, we missed one game, uh, the Colorado game at their place. Cause we had a false positive that, uh, it's kind of held us out, but, um, um we're doing our best and, and, and uh, guys have been good about it. And I'm trying to, I'm thinking the terms just, it's not, not as different as it's, it's what you make it out to be. And we've tried to keep it as normal as we can and, and think we've been pretty successful. Kyle, what, what's it like having uh, your nearest, you're pretty much your neighbor uh, when in, in Spokane uh, in Gonzaga being one of the more really, really good teams I've seen in college ball in a long time. Uh, I know it, you didn't get to play them this year, right? No. Yeah. We didn't. I've seen them plenty, though. Yeah, they're amazing. <laughs> I mean, uh, I tell you what, I I like watching them from this uh, address, address than the <laughs> 20 years I coached in WCC because <laughs> you can you have a better appreciation for them because honestly, you can't lower your guard in you, you got to really tune your when you're in the league, you got to tune yourself out. Of because that's all people are talking about. How good in the in yes they are successful. Yes they're better. They've been better than everyone in the league for you know certain years. But at the same time, St. Mary's beat them. You know they'd lost to them by forty and came back and beat them and one you know. But you you can't give into it. But also never beat them. Never have a chance. You're in the league. Got to play them twice and hopefully and you to get the NCAA tournament. You got to beat them. So that that's a tough deal. But from here, uh, it's appreciation. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, something to strive for, and I like. Obviously, we're not there yet, but I was. Um, I you know I reached out to Mark trying to uh, at least we couldn't scrimmage this year. I was like, when yeah. before they said we couldn't, I was like, they'd be the right year to hopefully scrimmage them. And I don't know if we're ready or you know they have their their non conference schedule. They're really ridiculous playing. schedule. They play. It was crazy. Kansas, Baylor, uh, Virginia. Yeah. Um, and uh, but hopefully we get good enough where that game makes sense for both programs and for them. You know, really they're in a position to determine what they're in the they they determine whether we, we're allowed to play them. And I, I respect <laughs> that. You know, that's um, they just it's it's uh, I mean we I used to joke about it because like ten years ago people were like oh they're going to be down this year. I said no, <laughs> they're not going anywhere. Okay, they're going to be good. And it was actually Jim Shaw. I was on my staff. Who was at yeah. Washington at the time? I know Jim. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, exactly. And Jim, no, they're gonna be good. They're good. Trust me. And he just, and then finally he caved in. He's like, you're right. There's, I said, yeah. And they've gone from being 
okay, this this great mid-major plus story, the, the Cinderella 2, okay, they're a high-major team. Okay, they get more ESPN exposures than Duke. Yeah. And I was like, yep, now they're basically USF had a run like this in the league with Bill Russell and it actually went from the 50s, 60s, 70s. I said, they're working on the San Francisco deal. And then their next one is UCLA, so it's wow. wooden era. So I'm like, I don't know if they're getting there, but good, goodness gracious, they have not. They just keep going up, and uh, you would think they couldn't do it, sustain it, but, boy, they've done a – it's incredible to watch. Kyle, when you – you know, friends of yours in the profession rave to me about uh, – some of your ideas defensively, your anal- knowledge of analytics and everything like this, and uh, even some, you know some people jokingly say, and I don't mean that you guys play nerd ball, okay? Uh, uh, no, what do you mean? We came up with that. And, oh, is it you guys? Is self imposed? Explain that to me because I think for uh, there's so many people that are confused by analytics, the importance of it, and usually the ones that are anti analytics are the ones that don't know about it. So yeah, please think, explain if you would. What's, what's funny is that um, I still consider myself a uh, coach's coach under that umbrella, like Rick Shirley, Randy Bennett, Hank yeah. Egan, Brad Hall, you know, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where my heart lies. I still think it's especially these guys about the emo- there is an emotional part. There's an inspirational part that you have to get. The most important thing is get these guys to play hard every possession. That's your that's your number one challenge. And does do numbers motivate that? I don't think so. But really, the analytics is, came from really Randy's dad and Coach Shirley. And, and my guy, Coach Shirley, was a football. It's really stolen kind of – it's our own way to evaluate how our guys are playing and give them feedback. And it really comes out of what football does, so they grade each play. And that's really what we got to and created our own internal way to evaluate possessions and players, what, they're, what we value. And we're able to quantify it, just turn it into numbers and give them a score, our own internal ratings. And that was a way to hold guys accountable so they practice hard. And if you practice hard, you're going to get better. So, um, you know, we have like 50 stats we look at, but it's really broken down. And, you know, our, our defense, and it goes into how we determine how we want to defend. Um, and it depends on what the talent we have. Like last year, we had to pressure more. So we value deflections and steals and that those were those were things we want to do this year we're bigger so now we want to make sure that we're getting people off three-point line or in uh defending around the rim we can't we you know that 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 was important part of us so we might tweak things that way um and it usually for kids that your competitors will compete and they'll get good and they'll they'll it's like giving them a little you know a little bit of cheese out there for them to chase down (laughs) they're in the maze and they they don't know they're they're creating good habits of uh, doing those things, and that's that's kind of where the analytics. And then I've been more in tune with how what combinations of guys play well together. And and I don't even know if the college game we have enough data. Well, I know the NBA; you get halfway through the season, you probably have a, you you've got a great great gauge. But it does give you some outliers and things that are some guys are doing things that you may not notice. Um, I think it's just you got to be on like we all have biases and the, the, the analytics hopefully uh, make it objective and, and you don't, you, you make sure that you're playing the right guys. And it's not just the guys you like, or, or some, sometimes the guys you, you're not crazy about their attitude or maybe they're just quiet guys. Maybe their your personalities aren't great, but they're, they're getting the job done. And, and bottom line is you want to put out your best team. 
you know, what gives you the best chance to win. And, 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 uh, honor the guys that, that are working hard and what you want, what you're preaching. Kyle, in a, in a Kyle Smith team, which, which the optimum style that you would like to play at, at Washington state, you know, you have oh, the players that my, you recruit. How do you want to play? Oh, my, my favorite teams are always, it would be very European style. Uh-huh, I right. like, I like to, we like we, we look for six tool guys. We call them guys that can dribble, pass, drive, shoot, defend, and rebound. And and like at Columbia, we had some really fun teams to watch offensively. Ball zipped around. We had all guy like guys that could pass score. But it was hard for us to get stops. Or whatever we weren't as you know. I just didn't say. I, well, I just knew if we got to be average defensively, which we did that last year, we'd be really good because we're so good. That's but the teams we have now are more defensive minded rebounding and we got to develop the skill and the way to play, but it's different. But, uh, that would be my dream, but mm-hmm. it's, we're, we're trending the other way. So <laughs> we got to keep working on getting better, more efficient offensively, but we're athletic. We're big up front. Um, we've got good sized guards. Um, and so we got to just keep, keep working that way and, and, uh, make sure we're good. But bottom line is we always have to, the non-negotiables got to be good defensively. We've got to be able to rebound the ball and we've got to be able to take care of the ball. And regardless of the style, those are three things that we got to do well on to that'll keep you, make you competitive every night. You know, one of the things I've noticed, uh, and I said this to a, a friend of mine the other day, that you know, in college we spend so much time in a normal, healthy time with player development from the end of the season through the summer into as soon as the kids start class, all the way up to our first game. There's so much time for player development with the pandemic where some kids lived in areas where they couldn't go to even into a gym and then when they finally came out of it a they weren't in shape they hadn't played since march 11th many of them uh then all of a sudden i've noticed this year in both in the nba now and in college there's such discrepancy in scores by the same team yeah and I'm, I'm not really I sure what the hell's too. going on, to be honest with you. But I've noticed it. I mean, where I'm watching a, a pro game, and you know, you see the Clippers beat the two best teams in the West, then they lose to a Dallas team by 51 at home. You know, and you see these things happen, and I see it now in college too. It, what do you, any thoughts on that? I think you're hit a nail on the head. I don't think anyone's operating from any point of reference on how we're dealing with the rest health, you know, yeah. where your guys were each County, each jurisdiction's guys are working and how your medical people are letting you work. Uh, so I think it probably affects everything. And um, we're just in a strange time right now. And like I said, we've tried to keep it as normal as possible for our guys. And um, it's funny, like here's the two, I don't think, I don't think Mick Cronin was lying to me. I don't think they had a lot of time together to work with them. They're an offensive juggernaut. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know, they might be dispelling the, the, the idea of practice. You know, they did good guys, and I know they probably worked on their own and that stuff. And I'm like, hey, Mick, you said you guys didn't have much practice time. You're pretty good. So yeah. there's been, and, and yeah, I agree. I also think it's style of play. I think the the game is, you know, there's so many more threes being put up both levels. There just becomes uh, um, bigger margins. Simple as that. Yeah, because you go, you go ten for nineteen from three. All right, well, that's that's a big margin. We walked in halftime, 
I think we had 15 straight games of keeping teams under 33% from three. Right. Uh, it like tied an NCAA record or something. My assistant told me. Wow. And then we walked in at halftime and UCLA had their seven and nine from three and yeah. down 16. And which shouldn't have been a panic. You know, I mean, shouldn't have been, you're down 16. They went seven and nine from three. So you could, you could wipe three of nine, four, nine. We'd keep these three of nine, whatever. So that could be a 10. So, Technically, it could be a six-point game, but we didn't come out second half like that. And hopefully, it chip away. But it didn't happen. But it's like you can't get too panicked either way. But the human nature would be we're buried, or you know, going history. You're not those those those. And then NBA too. Those those leads can be um, they can be they can be made up with the. And I think a lot of I think that's the best part. Physically, we don't know. We're not working. And then the other part is the three-pointer just makes bigger separations. Another observation I've had is that because during the pandemic sit out and teams pausing with no activity at all, if you're in a quarantine state with your whole team, there are teams that, like, as you know, several of them that have been paused twice, you know, literally 28 days, they, they haven't been able to practice. And so now they're going the wrong way. And, and, and then when you finally get them back in the gym, what do the kids want to do? They want to shoot the ball, dribble the ball, you know, and all the offensive yeah. things. No one during pandemic practiced rebounding in defense. <laughs> no, no. We had a guy that missed a couple of weeks of the injury or whatever. He, the Lord got contact tracing and uh, he came back. You could see like, just look fleshy, you know, he's just like, gosh, dang, this is just going to affect everything. And, you know, like I get the conditioning and it's hard. I think it's been now funny. There's, there's been a couple things. Like, I think Pacific didn't play for like five weeks. They came out and drilled someone by 20. I was like, what the heck? And then Louisville did the opposite. They're on a pause. They got beat 40. Yep. But they have, they've been great ever since. So it's not like it's really it's odd how it's uh, worked out. Like some teams that had the, the pause came out and played well and didn't make any sense. So I don't know what to make of it. But I'm, I'm with you. And you see some of the scores, you're like, they're eye-popping. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah, they really are. <laughs> well, how did that happen? So. Well, Kyle, if you, if you, I, hopefully hopefully you guys will have a strong finish, and everyone on your team will be healthy and safe, and that's the yeah, number that's one the thing. thing. Yeah, and and, uh, and, and I really look forward to hopefully seeing you after the season's over. So hopefully, uh, yeah. you know that we get through this thing in a really good way. But uh, I really appreciate you coming on and talking to all of our followers at, at coaching you. No problem, anytime. Love Kyle Smith. Boy, I'll tell you what. He's one of those guys I would just love to hang with and be in a restaurant with or possibly even a bar and have a beverage with and uh, and just talk ball for hours. He's just an amazing guy, great experiences, and what a coach. Thank you, Kyle. And until next week, this is the coach, Brendan Sarah.